0: Quick question and give me a gut check reaction. On a scale of one to 10, how successful are you? The answer, not necessarily too important right now because I'm not there to hear it, but I want you to think about the factors that went into the number you just picked. Let's talk about that a little more. How should we define success? Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day.
1: Okay, so yeah, I guess you just intro. This is Brian, and this
0: is. Why don't you, you intro? Why well, do I always have to intro? All right, I'll do it. I'll do it right now. Yeah, do it. Why this always got to be me? Okay, I, I'm feel perfectly fine doing it. Uh, am all I right. introducing well, I the topic heard you do too? It
1: too? yet? Am I introducing? We're not introducing the topic, right? But right you now, see,
0: you're already failing at it. So, all right, here we I don't go. even know.
1: All right, here we go. Ready? Yeah. One. Yeah.
0: Just say I'm Andy. That's all you got to do.
1: Welcome to the Big Balance Podcast. I'm Andy,
0: and I'm Brian. See, look at that. That was perfect. You're a natural at this.
1: So, uh, Brian, I just wanted to let everybody know, our listeners know that I value you as a friend and also a coworker slash IT expert.
0: I appreciate that, although I am not an IT, and it should not be my problem trying to help you to get your computer working.
1: Listen, all right. So here's here's what happened. I have talents in some other things, right? Um, I consider myself a well-rounded, talented individual. But when it comes to things like tech and fixing things in my house. I know that I've got to pretty much tap out and call on an expert. So Brian, I called on you and I appreciate it. I've been really psyched because I have a third monitor in my home office that I've been trying to hook up forever. And I'm getting different HDMI plugs and then the monitor has a DVI. So I had to get a converter. I ordered one off of Amazon per Brian's suggestion. Got it delivered to me today. And I <laughs> I hooked up the third monitor. It felt like a total whiz kid until, you know, I realized there was more to actually taking the the plug and putting it in my um, my, my power pack. What do we call those power packs, right? The power packs that, that hook up with the cables that go oh, into the I have the no plug. idea
0: what you're talking about. I, I helped you, I have no idea what you're talking about right now.
1: Right. So in any event, um just so you all know how kind hearted Brian is, I was having I was struggling and Mr. Brian, without any hint of frustration in his voice was able to there was
0: a lot of frustration and derision in my voice
1: without any hint of frustration in his voice was able to help me out and and i um livid i uh thank you very much you're you're a kind-hearted soul
0: for anybody wondering what the problem was andy didn't plug the monitor into a power source he had a monitor no power did not under how old are you how old are you? You're, you're like somebody's grandpa who's discovering the computers for the first time. i um, 44, Brian. I just turned 40. 84. I would believe 84. Dude, you want to know? a Senior citizens getting their first computer that would be able to do that. You, you know what else gets me, by the way, about this whole thing? You're holding your phone up to the computer so I can see through your camera, but you're doing it in this. I just see your blurry thumb. <laughs> or just a picture of the whack. Here it is. Like no, this is the wall. You you it's it's so frustrating helping you from a distance. It really or in person, either way.
1: Yeah. Well, guess what? We're not going to be in person I think anymore, so we'll just have to get used uh, to this helping hand from a distance, right? Yeah. Now, just to give uh, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, we had actually recorded this about a week ago. We had this episode in the can, and for some technical reasons, uh, we weren't able to release it. So this is actually a re-record,
0: but... Well, I think you're bearing um, the lead. You also got a new microphone that I bet is going to sound a lot better when everybody's listening to this. So if anybody's heard any old Andy episodes where it sounded like he was on a tin can, <laughs> sound much better.
1: It'll sound a lot better.
0: Albeit technical issues.
1: <laughs> Albeit technical issues. But nevertheless... Great subject, and I, and I definitely think it's something that both you and I and anybody listening can have some really good takeaways from.
0: Defining success seems really simple. The opposite's certainly true. We've all tasted failure at least a couple times in our lives. But trying to fit success into a specific, tangible box can be tricky. This episode isn't going to tell you how you should define success. There's thousands of ways to do it, and the definition's really too deeply personal to expect anybody to do it for us. However, just as there are plenty of success metrics out there, there are plenty of bad directions we could go. So our goal today? Let's figure out how we can spot those roads to ruin before we spend too much time chasing success the wrong way. So not long ago, everybody remembers that we were absent John for a few episodes because, among other things... Getting married, being one, he also bought a house. And when you're moving, you don't have much time for things like podcasting. Great experience for him. He's uh, he's living in his new townhouse and loves it. Andy decided to do the same thing, not because of John, but uh, Andy decided to look into the real estate market himself. And Andy, what did you find?
1: My wife and I have been talking about buying a you know buying a new house. And if anybody knows anything about a the real estate market, but particularly the real estate market in the Philadelphia metro area. To say it's costly and the prices have shot up would be a complete and total understatement. Yeah, I, so,
0: I bought my house for two twenty-seven, and I think it's about three forty right now. It's insane.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Quite frankly, I mean, if you had ever told me that a townhouse would cost you four hundred thousand uh, dollars, I would look at you like you had three heads. But the fact of the matter is, that's the market that we're in right now. So anyway, it kind of coincided with our company throwing out this job as a recruiting director. And if you remember a past episode, we had talked about promotions and when a promotion's right for you, when isn't it right for you, et cetera. You can go back and listen to the episode. But I saw it and I thought to myself, hey, so this would probably be a nice base salary bump. It would definitely make moving that much easier, that much more feasible. And so I spoke with somebody in HR and as we've said before, you always need to go beyond the job description because according to the job description, I could have done this. I could have, uh, I could have excelled at this position. But when we got down to the nitty gritty, I realized that this job wasn't for me. Now, I would have probably been able to muscle through the interview process, right? More than likely, I would have gotten an offer. But I could pretty much guarantee you after about three months, I would have been... A miserable miserable person
0: well what what about the job would have made you miserable what did you not like about it
1: yeah so I would go in thinking that as a recruiting director it's basically me building up a team of recruiters I have that team established and then manage it etc but what this position would really entail is interfacing with executives okay that's fine sifting through different metric tracking software which I know that would be awful and then really following metrics from each for each employee, like how many dials they have each day, how many candidates they talk to, how many pre-screens they did, did they submit any candidates to hiring managers, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So there's a big ad the, the admin element you weren't a big fan of then.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Much more administrative. I know.
0: I totally get that, by the way.
1: And then also having to learn employment law from the European Union because we are international. We do hire over in the UK, and there are very strict rules around how you can hire, salaries, who you can talk to, when you can contact people. And the way that I am, I would probably wind up doing something just from you know me wanting to be aggressive. I'd wind up doing something that could get our organization in trouble.
0: Can I put a point on that note about the European Union being different? It's one thing to say that, and I knew that generally, but I didn't really understand it until a coworker of mine decided to leave our company and she said, Okay, I I put in my three months notice and I'm like, What? I think anybody listening stateside, I think all but one or two states are at will states, meaning technically speaking, none of us have to give even a single day notice to leave and we give two weeks out of courtesy, pretty much only. But in the UK, especially if you're covered by a, uh, an employment contract, which I guess most or all are, it's a three-month uh, notice period, which is insane to me. I, I, and it's it's one of those things that it's, it's one thing to know that different countries have different laws, but I, it's just a very practical, simple example of how different it can be, mm. you know?
1: But you know, after the, the conversation had happened, I had a light bulb go off in my head and I thought to myself, I said, I'm wow.
0: amazed you got the light bulb plugged in.
1: I did. I got the light bulb plugged in. And let me tell you, it was, ex- I'm going
0: back to that. Well, the entire episode, by <laughs> the way, just so you know,
1: well, it was extra digitized wattage. If there's a such thing. No, what do that, you about that? Hell are you talking about? <laughs> the extra digitized wattage.
0: Digitized wattage. Yeah. Come on.
1: Everybody knows about it. If, it, if you don't know about it, I'm not going to explain it to okay. you. So in any event, light bulb went off over my head. I could have gotten this job. I would have had the big, beautiful house, the big, beautiful yard. Everything from the outside would have looked magical. But inside, I would probably be fighting this turmoil of mine that, wow, I am now stuck with this massive mortgage payment, an extra 1500 $2,000 a month. I'm in a job that I hate, that if I don't perform well at, I could lose. And I'm like, wow, you know, it would look to some people That I was super successful. But inside, I would be absolutely
0: stressed. Here's part of the issue, too. I don't know if this has changed, but I bought my house at the end of 2008 or 2009. So right after the mortgage crisis happened and people should have learned a lesson, I got approved for a mortgage that there was no way I would have been able to pay. So obviously, even right after the crisis, people were still giving out giant mortgages. There's also a term a lot of people fall into in a similar situation. They buy a house that's way too much for them. The mortgage is huge uh, and they're house poor. My friend bought this house he couldn't afford, ended up with lawn furniture in it because he couldn't afford to get real furniture.
1: Yeah, well, back in the day when I was doing mortgages, I, I did a refinance for a lawyer that lived, I guess the house was about 800000 at the time, but he actually had to call the rent center to bring in furniture on the weekend so he we could entertain guests and then Sunday rolled around, the truck came up to his house, popped all the furniture in the back of it, and then it just drove off. So he's in basically a furniture-less house. And then, you know, I, I took other inventory too. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, we have a smaller mortgage payment. We go away a lot. We're able to create a lot of memories with our kids. That might be something that has to go by the wayside. And it really started me thinking about how we measure success Are we measuring success based on our own self metrics or do we measure success based off of what society says? Now, Brian, you're 35,
0: 37,
1: 37.
0: I'm going to be 38 uh, in a couple months, actually. God, I'm getting old.
1: Did you watch a lot of MTV Cribs when you were 15, 16?
0: Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, then shifting into MTV Cribs. My favorite episodes of Cribs being the Moby episode that I remember because he doesn't have a mirror in his bathroom. And Andy, you do look like a jacked up Moby. Moby. He started using steroids and forgot how to plug things in.
1: What was was that? That Honey was the album, right? That album that was out in like 99 or 2000?
0: I don't know. I, I was never really a Moby fan. I just remember I, that he had no bathroom mirror.
1: Oh, see, I loved that CD that he had when he was popular, that two years. John's
0: going to get mad at us if we have a music episode without him because that's kind of his
1: thing oh, well then so. he can go hold his breath and count to 15 how does that sound that was the
0: that was the weirdest tell-off i've ever heard in my life oh well, it's like a little kid hold your breath and count to 15 no
1: whatever hold your breath until you until he's blue in the face i think it will be
0: fine you go from this vitriolic curse laden ripping people apart to telling people to hold their breath for fifteen. i don't know how to read you there's no middle ground with you
1: well uh, that's that's me how does that sound Sounds great. Okay. So anyway, MTV was popular, showing you videos with hair bands, partying in mansions, driving Porsches. The movie Wall Street came out when I was nine or 10. And all of this, you know, it it was just a focus on greed and material wealth. And once you get that thing, it it shows that you've made it. And I know we're going to go through a couple of examples where that's not true. There's certain things that we can take away that we can label as a success that might not necessarily involve a toy or a shiny trinket, but something that we've done intrinsically that we can consider a success to help give us confidence moving forward. So John Madden uh, was a a legend, not only revolutionary in football, but revolutionary in sports. So he started out as a very successful football coach, won 76% of his games, won a Super Bowl, And then basically said, you know, I'm out because coaching took so much of his time. And he just recently passed. Now, not only was he very successful in his career, he was also a very successful father. He's got, I know of at least two sons that he has, Harvard graduates, good kids. And I just look at someone like that and just say, wow, he had it all. Great human being, great individual. And then I actually looked at the flip side. So Andy Reid. He will be a Hall of Fame coach. He's been to three Super Bowls. Uh, I think he's won like 65% of his regular season games. He's considered an offensive genius, but there's also been a very dark side and a cost. He's paid for somebody that works 18 to 20 hours a day. His sons had been in a lot of trouble here in the Philadelphia area in the mid-2000s. We're talking whipping out a gun for a road rage incident going downtown to sell drugs. I think the one of the judges that was sentencing his kids, and I, I say kids, they were like 23, 24 at the time. Uh, one of the judges had said, and I'm paraphrasing, that this house is, the house was like a drug den. A couple years later, one of them died of a drug overdose in training camp. And just recently, one of his kids almost killed a little girl driving while drunk. I look at someone like Andy Reid and I think to myself, wow, how much of his success would he give back? to have a full, stable family. And it's strange because, I mean, we talk about work-life balance. But on the other hand, we look at NFL coaches and they'll always say how this coach sleeps in the office. This coach works 20 hours a day. And we applaud it, but we don't really think about the effect that schedule takes on the family until we hear tragedies like Andy Reid's children. And there are a, a litany of others that you can think of if you go back and and do some reading where you're like, wow, was all of this worth it? Was the air quote success worth it?
0: I think a big issue here is we're not looking at Andy Reid as a person, as somebody we care about. We're looking at Andy Reid as somebody who does something for us. He makes our team a winning team. And I think that's important to understand that we're really only looking at him as a what have you done for me lately kind of thing, not caring about him and who he is. Because when you think about it, a lot of our jobs are going to be the same thing where we have bosses and we have CEOs of our companies. They don't care about us as, as individuals in their organization. They're looking at it as transactionally. What have you done for me lately? So if we have uh, strife in our lives. If we have something that we need to take care of at home, a death in the family, or an accident, or our child is sick and needs us, they're not really interested in that. They're interested in what we're doing to further their bottom line. And I I do see a parallel between that and people like you, Andy, a, a sports enthusiast, who you're thinking about Andy Reid and what he can do for the Eagles when he was coaching for us. And that's as far as you go, right? And that's not an indictment of of anybody who. You know, hasn't thought about it in in terms broader than that. It's just, I think that's just the the truth of it,
1: right? And that's kind of what we've been um, conditioned as as a society. Another example that I wanted to bring up is uh, somebody that I know personally. You know this you know this individual as a co worker. I know this individual as the best man in my wedding. This person, outside looking in, great. We're talking about a ninety thousand dollar car, a five bedroom house. Well into his six figures, has been into six figures forever. I mean, the absolute picture of what society would de- would define as successful. Well, we were out to dinner and he had told me, he's like, I, I was killing myself. And I said, really? Because I always thought that you were fine. Everything was hunky dory. And he just said, no, um, I was stressed out. I was anxious. I was miserable. You know, being in that depressive mind state because of a lifestyle that you've lived, which is caused by you working 18 hours a day. That's not good for anybody. No car can take away that misery. No house can take away that misery. No vacation can take away that misery.
0: It isn't just the material possessions he's had that would make you think, man, this guy's doing it right. He's successful. When you talk to him, he just exudes confidence. He exudes knowing what's going on and and what needs to happen next. So yeah, full picture, it's, it's not the kind of guy you would imagine would have any of those issues at all.
1: Right, and I mean, I've, I've known him for over twenty years, and and I really didn't know he had those issues, and he's like, "Yeah, dude, I, I kept it from you. But it really goes to show when we talk about work life balance, it really is a work life balance. Balance is the key.
0: That's the thing. And one more note I'll make before we we take a break real quick. When we say it is a balance, I think the other end of that too is it's not just a balance, it's a tightrope walk balance uh actually shout out to the big balance the tv show did you, did you hear about the big balance tv show by the way no i've never heard of that it's a tv show came out somewhere in europe it's like b-list actors in the eu actually tightrope walking hmm. and the only reason i know it is because somebody keeps uh, referencing us on twitter Thinking They're talking to the show and I don't speak the language and I have no idea what's going on, but also they destroyed our page rank completely. Like you, you Google our name. We used to be up there in terms of Google results. And now it's the show in Europe, well, hey, but we do uh,
1: have listeners over in Europe.
0: We do uh, uh, Europe, Australia, all over the place. But, uh, going back to my point. We say work-life balance, It's, it's balancing on a tight rope because to your point, looking at Andy Reid, looking at this best man of your wedding, it's very easy to fall off. And when you do, it can be painful. It can be dangerous to you and your family. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Andy, let's define what you and I see as definitions of success. And then we'll talk about how can the people listening really work to understand what success should be for them. All right, so we talked about a few examples, some famous, some more personal, uh, what it means to define success in good and bad ways. So, Andy, my question to you, how are you really defining success for yourself, and what are you thinking is success to you today and into the future?
1: Not to belabor the point, because I know we've all heard about it, but uh, the health crisis over the past couple years, I've actually used as a chance to, um, I guess, reset, if you will. So, Working from home, I struggled with working from home for a very, very long time. Some days, to be honest, I I do miss going into an office and talking to people, but I've been able to adapt. You know, I created my own office space, even though I didn't want to, I kind of resisted it, but I threw my arms up in the air and just, you know, realized that they're not going to open up our 12,000 square foot building just for me. So the ability to be able to adapt, I would definitely check the box. You know, that's, that's a success. So that's something I can hold my head up and talk about with confidence and also my kids, right? I mean, being a father is probably the, well, definitely the most important job you can have, especially being um, a father to two little girls. So my oldest daughter, Julia, she's a competitive swimmer year round. And this summer there was a swim meet and there was this little girl, and this was unbeknownst to me because I was judging at the time, right? So there was this little girl that didn't want to go off the diving block. And Julia stood right behind her. She was on the other team. Julia stood right behind her and just said, you're going to be okay. Go jump in the pool. The girl jumped in the pool, swam to the other end, you know, finished her race. And I, I, this, this woman came up to me and she said, uh, are you Julia's dad? She said, you know, you and your wife have done a great job raising her. And she went into this story. And I just said, wow, that's excellent. And those are the values that we instill. Well, I'll actually tell my wife it's more me, but, you know, it's both of us.
0: Of course you will.
1: <laughs> it's both of us, but that that's awesome. That's a success. That's a major success, a legacy, because it it shows that she's impacting people's lives. And I just, how much more successful can you get than that?
0: No, I like it. I agree. its It's, it's not easy raising kids and making sure they grow up right is something to be proud of. So- Definitely. Kudos.
1: Now, what about you, Brian? Because I know you definitely have to have a couple of examples.
0: See, this is where it gets hard for me. And I think this is an important conversation for me. If I'm being honest, I guess I've kind of lost track a little bit of how I should be defining my success. And I guess in the general sense of the word, to your point as well, I have a, a strong family. My daughter is well taken care of and cared for and loved. I have a good job. Nothing in my life is is necessarily going very bad at all. So in a general sense, I would say I'm successful. But at the same time, if I'm looking at key things to define success, I, I don't know if I've lost the plot of the novel a little bit there. And I think that's kind of a shame because what we define as success, however we define success, is really a guiding star for how we should be living. And I, you know, one of the reasons I was excited to do this episode was this is something that I need to get more in touch with as well. So outside of those general examples, I don't know. How, how should I be defining success?
1: You know what I was thinking would be a really cool exercise? Come up, especially in the past two years, of some specific instances that you can point to that you can say, hey, wow, that was a success. The more you do it, the more you realize that Not only are you more resilient than what you thought you were, but it'll also carry you forward with confidence in everything that you do.
0: So how should we define success or more to the point, since it's me speaking, what are some guiding principles I myself should use to better define success for me? Right off the bat, to make it painfully clear, it's not my goal or business really to say what specific success markers anybody listening should use. It's way too personal, way too specific. I don't know your life. But what I do want to do is see, based on what we've talked about here today, are there any guidelines for defining success in a really healthy and positive way? First, let's talk about internal versus external validation. And when, Andy, you talked about Andy Reid or your friend, a lot of those issues felt to me like there was way too much of a focus on the external. To me, it makes sense why marketing and advertising execs really built a career out of convincing us that we need to buy just that one last thing or acquire that final status symbol to really be happy. And if you don't have a really firm standing in where you place your values, I think it's really easy to sub in what we're told is successful by these people who are being paid to convince us. If you get bombarded often enough, you start to believe it. And is that fair? Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's fair. And I think that we've commoditized absolutely everything. Like, I mean, everything has been commoditized from fear to hate to iPhones to what, this NFT. I mean, like everything is commoditized. So it's hard. Not I don't understand
0: NFTs. I'm too old or too dumb to get it. It's crazy.
1: It's crazy, but everything is commoditized now. So it's it's hard not to fall in the trap.
0: So there's this risk in hyper-focusing on external factors, believing that we have to have these things to show that we're successful. But I don't think striving for a nice home or a good lifestyle is necessarily bad, which leads me to what I think is a really good second guideline. I like to think of setting goals or success as a well balanced diet, right? You want a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Get some fruit, get some veggies and protein in a good mix. And why do we want to do that? Because focusing on any one of them to the detriment of the others is lopsided and we are not going to get what we ultimately need. And we can apply this to defining success. Sure, target some external validators if you want, but don't do it to the exclusion of everything else. Let's think about. All the important facets of our life. We have our health, our family, career, and and personal growth. And, you know, yeah, sure, if you want to have a nice car, that too. We should be defining success on how well we can move all of those needles forward together. You know, assign importance to everything in our lives that is important by including all of them in our definition of success.
1: No, I agree with that. It's a balance for sure.
0: Let's take a step back because we just put a lot of stuff on ourselves to do all at once and trying to move mountains is just going to get us frustrated. So taking a cue from running, I used to run all the time and I've, I've gotten away from it a little bit lately.
1: Oh, wait, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, 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 weren't you on the Peloton? You were doing the Peloton thing for a little bit, right?
0: I have never owned a Peloton. I, I own a rusty old used Johnny G spin
1: bike. Oh, nice. you wear like the 80s short shorts with the Puma headband and the wristbands while you pedal?
0: No, but I do own the bike-specific clippy shoes for the pedals. Nice. That helps. But when you run, especially for longer distances, the trick a lot of seasoned pros will tell you is don't make the finish line that's 10 miles away your immediate goal. You see that tree at the top of the hill or that stop sign at the end of the block? That's your goal. And when you pass it, the next tree, or that next stop sign, is your new goal. As you knock out these smaller, easily obtainable goals, they add up. And all of a sudden, boom, you hit your 10-mile finish line. And let's do that with our definitions of success, too. Don't set a 10-year goal and then pin all of our success on hitting it and only it. What small step will help us land that goal this year? And I could say getting in shape and looking like Adonis while sitting on a beach at an island resort would be a definition of success for me, but that Adonis-like build starts just with getting up every day and exercising even for a half hour, or having the money to jet set to that island getaway starts just with learning a new skill set that could further my career. Because ultimately, if we shoot too high without having step goals to lead the way, we're just going to get frustrated and we won't find that success. So having a plan to get there needs to be step one. So that's all I have, Andy. Uh, you want to leave us off with any inspiring notes?
1: So um, again, i just repeat what I said earlier. I would encourage anybody that's listening, take the past two years, and I want you to write down. I want everybody to be able to write down some things that they've either adapted to or something that they've been able to successfully change. And uh, I, I guarantee that we would all probably surprise ourselves at the end of the day.
0: Well, that's it for today. Andy, thank you once again for joining me. Appreciate you.
1: Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me. We'll have to do this again sometime.
0: All right. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time. Oh man. I dude, I you got you have to do some pilates.